0: This is Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bacon. This is the place where people from all walks of life share their anxiety stories to remind you that you are not alone. If you have an anxiety story you'd like to share, contact us at anxietycanada.com slash our anxiety stories. This is John Bateman. You're listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast, which can be found at anxietycanada.com and on most of your popular podcast platforms. Today I'm speaking with Dr. Kyle Burns. He's a psychiatrist working in private practice in Vancouver, and he sits on the board of directors with Anxiety Canada. Welcome, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Anytime, anytime. Um, first questions first, which is uh, the title of the podcast, which is,
1: Kyle, what's your anxiety story? Um, I guess so my anxiety story would um, you know, I guess I would start with um, growing up, having um, an idea of what fear is, like I think Mm -hmm. everybody does, everyone knows what it's like to be afraid, but not really understanding what anxiety, or at least the problems that that people have with anxiety and so you know there was definitely people around me that that in retrospect being a psychiatrist it's like yeah clearly they had pretty serious problems with anxiety but we never labeled it that at the time actually this would have been 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. and you know we were usually it was more you'd kind of identify people's coping strategies right whether it was you know, being really shy or reclusive or, or they had problems with alcohol or whatever it might be. And so, so I never really understood what anxiety was. Mm -hmm. um, I think growing up, even though, you know, it was around me. Mm -hmm. Um, When I became a psychiatrist, then, you know, certainly early on, at least in medical school, and then early in the psychiatry, we really, it was, we could fit anxiety into fairly simple or we would try to fit anxiety into a fairly simple medical model where it was like, oh, this is a, you know, this is a problem like any other illness and and you just treat it and, and it gets better. And, and then the more I um, met people who had anxiety, the more complicated it seemed to be, right, right. That, that in fact it's um, it's not as simple as, you know. Um, a, an infection or a broken leg, but that these are anxiety in, in many ways is sort of part of of who people are. And it also can be incredibly paralyzing for, for some folks. And so, sure. you know, it, it hopefully, I, I think I have a, a, I've come to appreciate a bit more of what it is that, you know, anxiety is this, um, you know, on one level, it's part of, how we cope with the world and it's something that we all have on the other hand, it can, it can go awry, uh, Mm. for a lot of different reasons, but then, then can become incredibly disabling and, and, um, lead to a lot of suffering. So.
0: Yeah. Was mental health something you always aspired to get into, you know, when you were pre pre pre-med or, or something like that, because psychiatrists, you guys do med school. Yes. And then you become psychiatrists after that. Yes, it's what seems to me would be about a 40 year process, but um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a long ago. So had you per- pretty much decided you were going to get into psychiatry when you were in med school? No,
1: not at all. Not mm. at all. And the, yeah, it's an interesting thing. Cause yeah, you go to medical school, not really knowing. I assumed I would be a rural family doctor. That was kind of mm-hmm. my thought going in. And, um, uh, it was, and it was, you know, it was one of these decisions you kind of have to make nowadays uh, fairly uh, early on. And psychiatry just had a, um, I was interested in it. It was sort of um, fascinating in retrospect at the time i just thought it was interesting and i would have liked to uh, gone into it and i and i think i suspect lots of psychologists and psychiatrists or counselors or therapists would would say this in retrospect yeah there was probably things i was trying to figure out of, about myself and about mm-hmm. my family as i went into psychiatry um, but probably wasn't fully aware of it at the time mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was in my fourth year of medical school i decided to go into psychiatry so
0: yeah i mean you must there must be something in you that Because, I mean, you know, in my experience, I've been to psychiatrists throughout my life and and early on when I was younger and I went to my first one, it was quite a bit of there's quite a bit of talk therapy built into it. But, you know, to my understanding, I've had experiences with other other psychiatrists where the talk therapy is kind of more left to the counselors and the medication side is left to psychiatrists. Please correct me if I'm completely wrong. And I assume this is a works on a per psychiatrist basis. It's not uh, a single one fits all.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, I think, I think when you look on big scales of efficiency, there's some advantages to trying to kind of limit the role of psychiatrists. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that has been driven by, by some of the insurance models in the States primarily in Mm -hmm. which, you know, The amount of time psychiatrists are allowed to spend with people has gotten shorter and shorter and that's the the work has been tried to to um be shifted to having counselors and therapists do the work it's been it's been it's not good for for our field actually to be focused on and it was a little bit of what i was alluding to earlier about this kind of very medical model because the you know the the pills can be helpful and the medications can definitely be helpful, but um, as a you know you want to have an appreciation for for all of the other things that are going into it, and I don't think you can really separate it out that well. If that mm-hmm. makes
0: sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it's it's a good time to because I don't think I don't know if I've talked to an actual doctor psychiatrist um, on my podcast talk to counselors um but it's a good chance to kind of discuss medication a little bit um i've been on and off medication throughout my life for anxiety and depression um how, how do you see that role what where do you see you know medications role in dealing with mental health
1: um it's a tool. There's no question. I mean, that it is. So as with psychiatrists, that's a big part of our job is prescribing medication. And even in my private practice, where, where all the psychiatrists where we work, we work with psychologists. It's a it's a multidisciplinary clinic, but mm-hmm. all the psychiatrists take just psychotherapy patients, like where, mm-hmm. where we're not doing meds at all, where the whole focus is talk therapy. And, and I think that's an important part of what we do because mm-hmm. we need to be able to do that and you know people rely on us to, to uh, have a role in in prescribing medication mm-hmm. um the role overall is probably way more limited than what it than what we would like it to be that um you know the the idea that um we can treat these medicate um, illnesses in everybody with just medication is, it, it just, it doesn't really work that way. That yeah. the medications themselves um, work for some people really well, um, but that's actually the minority of folks that get kind of really significant relief. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for, for antidepressants, uh, you can kind of think of it in, in the rule of thirds. About a third of people will get like really significant relief. Um, with an antidepressant, about a third of people will will feel a bit better, but but will by no means feel completely better. And then about a third of people will get no benefit whatsoever. And that's really in the shorter term trials that we know of. In longer term, we're more and more realizing that for lots of folks, these medications seem to wear out over time. So they're not they're not as good as what we would have liked for sure. And um, improvements in medication over the last 50 years has been primarily in the realm of side effects they haven't gotten more effective it, but they have gotten less you know they've had less side effects over over the years
0: which is an um, important improvement for sure
1: it it's a significant improvement so it's not it's a, it's absolutely not nothing but it's it's um it, it leaves more to be desired anyways
0: yeah Yeah. Right. Um, So you, so you, you, I take it you just, you talk with a variety of people with different afflictions, like anxiety, um, depression, schizophrenia. Do you, you deal with that? Can you, can you talk, talk to that a little bit?
1: Sure. Um, So um, one of the things that's happened in medicine, I'm going to, I'll talk about being a generalist actually. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because because I think that one of the things that's happened in medicine is there's been ever increasing focus on specializing. Mm-hmm. And I definitely think it's useful to specialize in psychiatry because it gives me the time to to focus on psychotherapy and some of the medications that we use in psych- psychiatry. But beyond that, we've become even more specialized into people that work just with childhood disorders and people that work in geriatrics and people that work with adults and then into mood specialization and specializations with psychosis. And unfortunately, people don't fall into the neat categories that that we would like, and and so you have to be one of the things that I think for psychiatrists is you want to be familiar with at least a bit of everything and comfortable with treating everything. And and I think anxiety is a really good example of it can absolutely be the kind of core of a person's problem is is how they they deal with and cope with with their anxiety and and um, but it's. Um, anxiety and depression are, are twins, right? Like they go mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And trying to separate them out into two different conditions actually is is um, usually not that helpful. Mm-hmm. For conditions with um, psychosis, um, whether it's schizophrenia or bipolar or, or other similar conditions, um, anxiety is often a really um, significant part of what leads to the suffering that's associated with it. And with anxiety, because in some ways it's a universal thing. We all, all know what it is, but in, that actually often leads it to being overlooked. Um, I've had lots of um, clients over the years will say something to me where we're talking about their anxiety and just how, how much pain and suffering it's causing them. And they'll say something along the lines of, well, that's just anxiety, right? You know? Whereas somehow the anxiety is not as bad as, say, a psychosis or, or severe mood problems or anything like that. And it's like, well, I've seen plenty of people completely debilitated by by anxiety. It's it's um, there's no just about it. Right. It's and so even though it's common and we all have some appreciation for what it is to be afraid and what it is to feel anxiety, I think we often um, don't we underestimate how much. Um, People with with anxiety disorders really suffer. So with schizophrenia, yeah. you know, the like fear is, is about safety in a way that that it's mm-hmm. about it's your your brain telling you you need to get safe. And and with psychotic disorders, often people are being persecuted or they're they're incredibly fearful um, because of how their their brain is behaving. And so anxiety then becomes this very core part of it, actually. And and um, unfortunately. We we sometimes focus in on on the more dramatic symptoms like hallucinations or things like that when actually the depression and and the anxiety is probably going to be the more um, uh, cause more suffering.
0: Yeah, so you I guess you have to determine what the what the primary point or uh, the primary kind of catalyst is for those complicated. I mean, I guess you know you can have psychosis or you can have say uh, a manic episode. Uh, Or a depressed episode and not really have anxiety but then kind of the not knowing what's going on with you creates anxiety in which case you have a a multi-headed beast that you as a professional have to tackle
1: yes Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. and that i mean to your point about talk therapy and how that fits in with medications you really can't like you really have to understand people and have the time to talk with people and understand what's going on to try and then tackle that. And, and medications can definitely be a really useful part of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you, do you, you know what I'm always curious about? Are there people that are basically on medication for life? Like, I, you know, I'm always curious about the, the stigmatization of medication because it gets, in terms of a treatment, it's got to be the most stigmatized treatment there is out there for just about anything. Um, you know, how do you deal with that? With because I certainly don't stigmatize it. I've used it in the past. Um, you know, how do you help people? You know, reconcile that and and not buy into this hype that's all around medication.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. There's kind of hype on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so. I mean, so I I try to look at the medication as a tool and try to treat it like that sometimes it requires some time to to help people understand what it means to be on medication um the question about being on medication for life is is pretty scary for people and and the more we understand about these medications it seems like it's not necessary for some people it's it's a totally reasonable thing because the the um the alternative of being off medication is just, it's, it's, it's not worth it for some mm-hmm. folks. Um, but that's, you know, that's a decision that you can take some time to make and you can actually try some a time off of the medication and, and there, um, so I, I try not to, to think about it too much as a this or that, or you're on medication or you're not, but that it's something that you can try, you can, and if it works, um, and, and the side effects are tolerable, then that's great. Mm-hmm. But to try and get everyone sort of thinking about this as a tool to kind of to help with things in the same way that that CBT mm-hmm. is a tool or that other types of therapy might be a tool or or for some people, you know, exercise or, or mm-hmm. a hobby. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, Anxiety Canada, it it works sort of on that um, proven platform of CBT uh, I assume CBT is something that you use quite a bit in your practice.
1: Yeah, so kind of in two different ways. One is the the principles of TB. Uh, sorry, the principles of CBT are um, really based on having um, a solid, scientifically based understanding of of what happens for people uh, when when they develop some of the anxiety problems, and so if you have that, if you have a good understanding of that, you know, there are principles of CBT that you can kind of plug in everywhere. As you know, as I'm, one of the things I'll I'll say to folks when when we're like, say, starting a medication trial, the medications often will be helpful in um, turning the volume down a little bit on symptoms, of improving motivation a little bit, uh, giving a little bit of hope. And what sometimes that, does. And and the, the way in which I think this, these things can be really effective is if that just loosens the wheels a little bit, and then the person can then act mm-hmm. with behavioral principles and act. And so for someone who's depressed, if, if that can just get them, you know, out the door or get them out of bed, or then then kind of the combination of, of medications and and behavioral techniques can be really useful.
0: Mm-hmm. How, uh, how do you I've fallen into this trap before, or I've been on medication. It's been effective. And then I know I'm supposed to be doing other work. And I don't, because you're kind of so happy to, to not be in it. Um, that it's like, I don't, I, I didn't want to face it. You know what I mean? It's like, I feel good. Why am I going to open up this box again? Um, and, you know, just face it all. And I, I assume you deal with something like with stuff like that in your practice, Maybe I'm an outlier, but, uh, I, you know, I have run into people that do, they, they, they're on medication, they feel great. And then they drop the ball on, on their tools. Um, how do I deal with that? <laughs> yeah. How do you deal with, you know, how do you, uh, you know, keeping a p- patient motivated or keeping a yeah. patient, you know,
1: keeping their eye on the prize. Um, You know, it's, I mean, sometimes I can be pushy, actually. Um, Yeah, yeah, I would think so. If if necessary. Although, you know, the thing is, is is, I don't, I don't think um, most of my, my patients have enough judgment uh, to go around, so they don't need a judgmental psychiatrist. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) But, you know, no, actually, I think um, what the, the, I like your, the thing about keeping the eye on the prize. So, so one of the things when, and this is based on research, you know, if someone starts a medication, the goal is, is recovery, right? Like the goal is like as completely better as possible. And so, and that's where, yeah, I can be a bit pushy, right? Like if sleep Mm -hmm. is still not quite right, it's like, let's keep on the sleep and that, and it's not always about the medication at that point. Yeah. There's other work to do Um, if it's, you know, whatever part of the problem is, is like a full recovery. It's so different for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and people do, I do think people figure it out. Yeah. Um, and I do think sometimes, yeah, you gotta, you gotta trip up now and again and, you know, people go off the medications and it doesn't work out or they, they drop the ball at sometimes. but that, you know, I think that's part of the process. I, I don't think you, it's, I think if you had like a formula, Yeah. And you say, look, this is this is the secret to your happiness. You know, take this medication and exercise, you know, three times a week and, Mm -hmm. you know, eat this uh, this amount of fiber or whatever it might be. I think that, you know, folks might try it for a limited time, but I think it, it's, they need, I think you do have to go through that process of learning and understanding yourself and figuring all of that out, even, yeah. and, and I don't have the answers. Like
0: It's that. like medication. Unfortunately, it is trial and error. You find it is. something that works and it doesn't work. And you, yep, yeah, you definitely do stumble through some of this. You know, one of the things that i found, and I'm, believe me, I'm not consistently happy, but one of the things that I, that really helped me is understand and realize that, not only am I not going to be consistently happy ever, but that really nobody out there is consistently happy. Um, you know, I, my, my my reaction was when I was really depressed and really anxious, I, I was just striving for perfection. I've got to be happy all the time. Right. And uh, I put a lot of pressure on
1: myself because of that. Yeah, no, we're, you know, happiness is just one of a whole bunch of emotions and, mm-hmm you know, one of the, the, one of my pet peeves is, um, even though I have great kind of respect for the positive psychology movement, I think what's come out of it has been really exciting. But the thing that bugs me is that we call it positive and negative emotions Yeah, that, you know, being angry and scared and sad, Mm -hmm. it's, they, those are actually really valuable emotions. And, and some of the problems do emerge when, when we kind of see those as, as bad, Yeah, we should just be calling them emotions. They're just emotions. They're just emotions. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, Kyle, I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. And thank you for all the work you do in this field. And um, I look forward to talking to you again in the future.
1: Yes. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Take care. Take care.
0: Bye-bye. In today's episode, we discussed anxiety and several other mental illnesses. A lot of people think severe mental illness is a rare thing. But the truth is, one in every 100 people lives with schizophrenia, and we all know somebody affected by it. That's why the BC Schizophrenia Society, with support from BC partners, has launched a brand new podcast called Look Again Mental Illness Reexamined. Host Phaedra Aldridge talks to doctors, families, and people with lived experiences of mental illness. Together, they challenge some of the myths and stereotypes that are out there, and they challenge you to look again and reexamine what you know about mental illness. You can find them on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thank you for listening to our anxiety stories. If you'd like to support this podcast or Anxiety Canada, go to anxietycanada.com.